Eat, sleep, movie, repeat, repeat. A podcast on all things movies with Brent Harbour and industry insider Ross Churchhouse. G'day, Ross. Here we are. Lucky episode number thirteen. Yeah. G'day, everybody. Lucky thirteen, indeed. Or unlucky for some. <laughs> Not going to lie, we've been having a conversation before we came on, so I'm not happy. Anyway, carry on. Oh, look, it's okay. I mean, you know, someone's always got to win. Move on. (laughs) Okay, but we have to talk about it because every podcast we do the predictions for what's going on at the box office, okay? Yep. And we put two films up last time. Yep. So let's go through it. You'll be fine. I'll get you through it. It's okay. So the Marvels. And Hunger Games, the prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. First up, The Marvels. Let's talk about that one. Yeah, look, The Marvels, interesting. Worldwide, that film could not get out of first gear. I guess, I mean, obviously, we we researched this stuff and we were well aware of what's being said about movies well in advance. And the word on this film was just a movie that maybe nobody had asked for and overly complicated Marvel bringing in all their Disney Plus shows and stuff. And to be fair, Brie Larson's last outing, although she made a lot of money in the last outing, it was connected within the um, the MCU between you know the the Endgame. So you needed to kind of see it in order to get Endgame. So you know it did ride on the coattails of Endgame a little bit, but nobody expected it to be quite as bad as it's been. So look, you guessed nine hundred and fifty k. And I guess 1.1 million. And I was tempted to go lower. I just didn't realise how low. So unfortunately, the Marvels only made $572,000 in New Zealand in its first week. And it only brought in $48 million total in America in its first week, which makes it the lowest grossing Marvel film in history, which was really um, difficult. I think a difficult pill to swallow for me, but it's also a difficult pill to swallow for Disney. And um, look, the audiences didn't come out. The shine seems to have gone off the MCU as things currently sit. Yeah. And without look getting into a big deep dive on, on how the box office works and what films cost, the word is that this film actually stands to lose Disney upwards of $275 million. That's a pretty big bomb, unfortunately, for the MCU. And that's actually seen Disney take some immediate action. It's suspended some of its films. It's pushed films back 18 months. Snow White was supposed to open in 2024. It's been pushed into 2025. A lot of these movies have been pulled. Um, And what was the other one? Captain America 4, which they're changing the actor and everything into that, has completely been pulled. And they're talking about potentially reshooting the entire film. Oh, really? Yeah. Not going to affect my Star Wars films, is it, Ross? They are going to still do those, right? I, I Honestly, I think that Star Wars, everything is affected right now in Disney because they've had probably seven films now that have just collectively not hit the mark. And I think that that's spinning the Disney studios out quite a bit and the Marvel studios and the Star Wars studios, which is obviously all owned by Disney. And I think that they need to make a big, big change in what they're doing. The direction has to be almost like a complete stop and reboot everything and get themselves back on track. But unfortunately, that's going to take a couple of years. So even the ones that are currently being made, you know, they'll still have to put some of those out because they've just invested so much money in them. And if those fail, then it's, you know, you're probably not going to see 
strong movies potentially out of Disney Studios for maybe three years. DC's doing the same thing too, aren't they? Really, with James Gunn, they're resetting the whole whole thing after you know not things not working for them either. Yeah, that's a hundred percent correct. And and I mean, look, Batgirl is the classic example of what DC did. The new guy who came in, whose name escapes me, but he came in as the new head of DC Studios. And they had made Batgirl, shot the film. It was in the can. It was ready to go. And he actually came in and said, no, that's not the direction we're going to go with this studio anymore. And so they shelved the film and they're never going to release it, even though it was 100% ready to go. And the word is, uh, through you know certain people I've talked to, the word is that that film isn't that bad. But because it no longer ties into the direction they've decided to go, the you know, DC have, have done what Marvel and, and Disney probably need to do. And they've just put the stop on everything. So that's why the upcoming film Aquaman at the end of this year is pretty much the last one of those DC films we'll see for a while. I think they had Brendan Fraser in that Batgirl movie too. And he was riding a high at the time. So yeah, might have worked for them, you know? Well, I think it, I think it potentially could have. They probably would have got their money back at least. But, I mean, this is unfortunately, it's a very cutthroat industry. And when things, when, when, you know, when you're on top of the world, like Marvel's been for, you know, you know 15 years old, things are great you know everything's going fine but as soon as you start losing and um, you know the knives come out for sure you know a victory to you on that one Brent but um, hopefully the low bar won't be repeated no that's fine no we won't dwell on that that's fine actually that no, will dwell for a bit longer okay let's talk about Hunger Games <laughs> <laughs> okay oh this is painful okay so Hunger Games Brent you guessed 1.5 million box office I went 1.3 and look this, the news on this film is a lot better. The cinema industry has been struggling. The exhibition and distribution industries are struggling because some of these movies have to make money. But the Hunger Games turned it all around this weekend and a nice bit of rain helped. I think that's why you got the bump. And the film made $1.46 billion of the New Zealand box office this week. So the well-deserved victory for you, Brent. We won't dwell on the, your victory dance too long. But the film was definitely better than a lot of critics thought. Audience reaction was positive. Uh, more positive than negative and um, I think that there's a lot of mitigating factors that are starting to help drive audiences back to the cinema and I think that we'll start to see things improve moving forward which is really really good news I think with the Hunger Games too my daughter who's a huge fan she went along to see it and she really enjoyed it and now it's quite interesting in my family because my wife read those books and liked those movies as well so now we're going out on the weekend to see the movie with all of my daughters. So I think you might have that roll-on effect because as the word comes out, it's actually quite good and up to the standard of the previous movies, then away you go, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the film performed admirably. It didn't make as much money as the um, previous Hunger Games movies, but it was never going to being a prequel and being... It is based on IP that's part of that universe, but it's been eight or so years since that movie finished and so this one's coming off quite a long wait to restart it so you know it is what it is but look i think that that's a good start to the summer season here in new zealand for movies which is great michael fassbender's the killer yeah so um look we, we've talked about this a while um about finding out what our audience think i like listening to what so we recently put it out on our Facebook pages for Cafe Cinemas and Lido Cinemas. We actually asked people, give us a, write a very short review on a film. Just give us something that you think you liked about the film, because we do want to hear from our audiences and we do take pay a lot of attention to what they say. Peter, he reviewed Michael Fassbender's The Killer, and we've previously discussed that, but he basically said the film was a slow burn, great film noir, interesting first-person narrative, 
He said, any opportunity to get me into the mindset of a killer is an instant plus, which concerns me, but never mind. He said, Fassbend is superbly cast, playing a character that learns to deal with his faults and the associated issues they pose. And he said, I've already watched the movie twice and enjoyed every moment of it, which was how I felt about the film. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, that's good. And Cheryl reviewed Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. Yeah, and look, we, we talked about this as well, and I, I thought this was great. I sat down and watched it, really enjoyed it. She said she watched the movie Stop Making Sense. The music was amazing. The lead singer is such a massive entertainer. I really loved it. And so, hey, look, if anybody out there feels like sending a film review to us, please just um, jump on the Lido Cinema Hamilton Facebook page or the Cafe Cinema's Kerry Kerry Facebook page and you know, drop, drop us a line, tell us what you think about movies and we'll try and feature it in here when we get your reviews. Oh, that's great. Now we've got some new films coming up. Yeah, we've got a lot of new films coming up. Um, obviously, films are there's always lots of films and we can't take every single film. We're not as big enough cinema to take everything, but we try and make sure that we cater to everybody. So the first film coming up is Freelance. This is an R16 film and stars everybody's favourite action hero, John Cena. And this is an action comedy. It's about an ex-Special Forces military operative. He takes a job to provide security for a journalist while she's interviewing a dictator. And of course, halfway through the interview, a military coup breaks out and... There's a bit of a, um, a coup going on, and they have to survive in the jungle and escape from the you know the forces who are basically going to try and murder them. It, it'll be very much a John Cena film. It also stars Alison Brie, uh, who used to be in Community. It's from the people who did Taken, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so the you know he's taking his particular set of skills, and I mean, <laughs> look, I like John Cena. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, I've seen yeah. the series Peacemaker. I think it'll be a little bit similar to that in a way. We're going to actually get a concert film, or it's an opera film. It's Callis Paris 1958. So it's basically the 1958 concert in Paris that Maria Callas put on. And it was her Paris debut, uh, all filmed, and it's been re-released, and it should be amazing. It should play on a little bit, but those uh, performances tend to come out and they tend to be more you know, targeted, so there'll be one or two or three screenings of that film as it goes through. This one interests me, Leave the World Behind. Yeah, Leave the World Behind's a Netflix film. So Netflix are releasing a lot of their films now in cinemas a couple of weeks before they release them onto Netflix because at the end of the day, they've discovered that putting these things on the big screen gives them a, a better opportunity to get eyes in front of them and then people talk about them. So, you know, we're happy to take these films and throw them on. This one uh, is really interesting. It's basically a sort of dystopian future story mixed in with a sort of a racial story. So Amanda and Clay, they're um, on an aspirational vacation with their teenage children and all of a sudden the internet goes wrong. The television goes off and the radio stops working. There's a large sonic boom um, that uh, shatters the peace of the countryside and they start seeing animals migrating weirdly and, and strange things happening. And then what happens is that they're sort of a mixed race family and then they meet some other people who are up in the same area where they're vacationing and they are a white family and effectively as things start to disintegrate, as the world sorts to fall apart around them, 
there becomes this very sort of tribalized decision-making process. So it does look quite interesting. It's got a solid cast. Cool. Now you're doing some early bird screenings as well of, I think this will be a popular movie. Trolls Band Together takes over from Trolls 1, Trolls 2. It starred Anna Kendrick as Poppy and Justin Timberlake as Branch. And obviously Justin Timberlake being a singer, this is where this film's going to be going. The story is basically about how Poppy and Branch have now become a couple. They're called Broppy, hashtag Broppy. And as they grow closer, uh, Poppy discovers that Branch has a completely secret past that she never knew about. He, she discovers that he was part of her favourite boy band called Brozone. And his four brothers, Floyd, John, Spruce and Clay, were in this band and they disbanded when Branch was just the baby. He was kind of like the Michael Jackson of the family. And he hasn't seen his brothers since. They separated from Brozone, but then his brother Floyd gets kidnapped and Branch and Poppy have to embark and save Floyd and try and get the band back together in a way. Now, the interesting thing about this is that NSYNC got back together to do a song for this movie. That is brilliant marketing. It is. It's life imitating art or art imitating life. I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And I think that that's kind of the, the way they've, crafted this movie together i think it'll be quite good it should be really great i mean look the trolls movies are super popular and they do go across age groups you know a lot of parents including myself you know we like to watch kids films and um, animated stuff and this film is definitely going to be one for the whole thing and i'm looking forward to this epic napoleon some of the reviews i'm seeing of it are just incredible yeah this is the one i've been waiting for it's a spectacle it's an action film it's got incredible scenes it's you know done by Ridley Scott I've seen some interviews of Ridley Scott recently on TV and I just love his no-nonsense approach you know they go oh what do you think about this Ridley what do you think about oh he goes no no I, I just make films I like I make these films because they're good you know I'm not, I'm not worried about the politics I'm, I make the films because I that I love you know and I think that's perfectly sort of encompassing what Napoleon is all about and of course Joaquin Phoenix playing Napoleon Bonaparte he is that guy's larger than life he is a real true modern movie star and i think that he is going to he he owns his characters and this story is basically about him rising from obscurity uh his relentless journey of gaining power becoming this incredibly powerful major within the army and then of course taking over i'm oh sorry general in the army and then taking over as the um emperor of france some amazing practical effects in there you know this is what ridley does right absolutely and the scene that i i've seen already of the film sort of few months back was the battle scene where they are in the snow just unbelievable like it was just really cool and quite you know horrible because it's, it's a battle but it, they're all practical effects they don't muck around with like loads of cgi there is obviously some cgi in there they, they, don't, they don't deliberately kill animals and stuff but but certainly, you know, the film is very heavily practical affected, so it's good. you got some classics at Cathay Cinema coming up. Yeah, so um, look, we've been doing a thing all year. We've been sort of testing the waters on classic movies, and Murder on the Orient Express is coming up this coming week, which is the original, I think it's 1975, around about then when this film was made. So it stars Albert Finney as Hercule Poirot. It's got Lauren Bacall, Ingrid Bergman, Sean Connery, John Gielgud, Vanessa Redgrave, Michael York, you know, Jacqueline Bissett, Anthony Perkins, Richard Woodmark. It's, it's one of those films that, you know, it's the who's who of Hollywood stars in the um, sort of mid-70s. 
And everybody knows the story of Murder on the Orient Express, but these movies have been super popular. And that's actually going to, it's inspired us now really into 2024 to come up with a couple of really cool things we're going to be doing with our classic movies. We've managed to get a lot more classic movies and we're going to be doing some really cool things um, coming up, which I'll, I will mention at the end of this uh, when we finish. And we're heading into Christmas too. you got a few things sorted out for that. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got um, Andre Ryu's White Christmas Concert for fans of classic music. There's a musical, Journey to Bethlehem, which tells the story of Mary and Joseph and their journey to Bethlehem, and it features Antonio Banderas as King Herod. So if you like Puss in Boots... This is kind of like not really like anything to do with Puss in Boots at all, but it seems to be a Banderas who, who doesn't like Antonio Banderas. Again, with that Christmas theme, we posted on the Facebook page asking about classic films. With those classic films, uh, we're going to be showing the, uh, I think it's 1947 off the top of my head, um, Miracle on 34th Street, the black and white film. Uh, that's coming up. We're going to be playing Love Actually. Uh, that was one of the ones very um, requested, believe it or not. And of course, everybody's favourite Christmas film, Die Hard. I was going to say, you've got to have Die Hard on there, the ultimate Christmas film. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> that's, that's the, look, um, it's so funny that we got we got so many requests for so many films, and we were really, really grateful to all the people who, who threw their two cents in, but it was an overwhelmingly supportive like list of films, and a lot of the films we thought of, and some of them we um, hadn't, but you know, one of the films I'm looking forward to showing next year, and I'm I guarantee you it's going to be on somebody's screen next year. It's Big Trouble in Little China because I absolutely love it. Yes, I I watched that recently, in fact. I just, Kurt Russell in that is just brilliant. He's so, so over-the-top awful, if you know what I mean, trying to be the hero. He's absolutely fantastic in it. Yeah, look, there's a a lot of 80s films, really cool 80s films, which I lay our hands on at the moment. One of the films I'm actually, I'm really searching, and this is having to go outside of New Zealand for this one, is Buckaroo Banzai. If you've never heard of Buckaroo Banzai, have a look at it online. It stars John Lithgow, who's actually in New Zealand at the moment, filming um, something at the moment. And um, that's a real weird kind of film, but I, I just think it would be great on the big screen. So we'll see how it That's good. All right, let's do our prediction. Shall we do two films again? Absolutely. Um, look, I think we'll go with Napoleon and Trolls, and that take us through to episode 14 quite nicely. Uh, yeah, you go. I'm going to write the scores down so I don't forget. Okay, uh, Na- Napoleon. So for Napoleon, I think it's just such an epic movie. And on you know what Ridley Scott's done before, I'm going to go $1.7 million. Okay, I, I think the film's going to really stand up. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. I don't want to be wrong. I need a win. Um, I'm going to go 1.9. I'm going to go high. I think it's the kind of film that bring out a big audience. Cool. Well, that's good. Now, Trolls. Trolls, trolls, trolls. I think that's going to be a biggie as well. I just think all the hype around NSYNC and kids and the movie is so good. So I'm going to go $2 million for that. Yep, the $2 million. Okay, I'm writing that one down. Now, I'm not going to include the uh, advanced preview weekend for that. that that'll only be no, that one week. Whatever you can do to make yourself win, that's fine. Yep. Us. <laughs> <laughs> My thumb on the scale. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, look, I think, again, it's going to be a strong film. I don't think it's going to be two. I think it's probably going to be around the 1.8 million. But I think it will definitely be up there. Again, I think there are two solid films going into summer. 
there's a lot of great films coming as we move forward. Obviously, we mentioned Aquaman before, but there's um, Taika Waititi's new film coming in. Oh, that's cool. All right, so that wraps it up. We've got a few more to do for the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, of course, we'll take a break at some point. We might get one or maybe even two more episodes in before the end of the year, and then we'll take a break, and then um, we'll start it all again in 2024, and I'll continue to lose badly, I suppose. I'll just be rolling in the Jaffers. Uh, okay. Well, on that, I mean, please, uh, please, folks, keep listening. Um, if you like our show, please share it with your friends. Um, we'll catch you at the movies very soon, and uh, we'll talk about this in two weeks. Thanks for listening to Eat, Sleep, Movie, Repeat, Repeat, a movie podcast available at Buzzsprout, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.